Good morning and welcome. We're glad that you're here today. So thankful you've chosen to be with us. We know that we have guests today and we want you to know that you're welcome. If you're looking for a place with which you can worship and work before God, then we want, to, want you to be a part of us here at the Midway Congregation. Now, I need to ask you a question this morning. We're going to jump right into the lesson. How do you feel about the thief on the cross? Now, I'm not talking about the one that uh, Jesus said to him, Today you'll be with me in paradise. I'm talking about the other guy. The one on the other side of Jesus. The one who the Bible tells us only nine words in English that he spoke. He said, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. That one. That's the one I'm talking about. You know, somebody said that you don't have to drink all the water in the ocean to know that it's salty. And you don't have to know everything about a person in order to know some things or be able to ascertain some things. And the thing that we ascertain about this guy is not really a good thing, is it? He's not confessing his faith in Christ. He's not saying good things about him. As a matter of fact, in the book of Luke chapter 23 at verse number 40, or actually verse number 39, Jesus, or rather Luke tells us that this guy rails on Jesus. In other words, he is, he is not saying, I, I have faith in you that you're the Son of God. He is, he is casting it in his face. You know, he's mocking him. And the other thief, the one on the other side, he understood that because in verse number 40 of Luke chapter 23, we have him rebuking this guy and he talks about how Jesus, who's in the center, how that, that he has done nothing wrong, but the two of them, they're receiving the just punishment for the things that they had done. But you and I, when we think about that guy, when we think about the one, that, that other thief on the cross, we pretty much hold him in contempt, don't we? We say, how could anybody who's dying, how could he reject the Lord? How could anybody be like that? And yet we understand some things about this guy. If you have your Bible, look at the book of Matthew, chapter number seven. And Jairus read this for us in our reading this morning. But in particular, in verses one and two, we know that passage quite well because the world repeats it and and they miss <coughs> Excuse me. They misapply it. Judge not that you be not judged. <coughs> reading from the English Standard, or rather the King James, whatever whatever measure you meet, it'll be measured to you again. We we know all of those things. We read it, we understand it. But you know what? This guy, this thief on the cross, the one that we're talking about this morning, he's guilty of what Jesus condemns right there in Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 and 2. You and I hold him in contempt because he is the one who judged Jesus harshly. That's, that's the basis. He didn't judge righteously. He judged Jesus based on the, the, his own feelings, his own thoughts, the things that he had. And on the other hand, that other thief, he, he judged righteous judgment that Jesus tells us that we're to judge because he rebukes this guy because he has, has said things, bad things about Jesus. But as we look at Matthew chapter 7 verses 1 and 2, a lot of times we focus on that. But actually what happens is it leads us up to our question of the morning as you saw on the screen Verse number three says, Why do you see the speck that's in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? We want to talk about this morning, the question that we want to deal with this morning is, is that speck. Why do you see the speck? That's the question that was asked. Why do you see that speck 
in your brother's eye, but not the log, the telephone pole, the beam. Why don't you see that in your own? Well, you know what? Jesus answers that for us. Jesus tells us exactly why. In verse number 4, he says, How can you say to your brother, Let me take the speck out of your eye, and there's still that log in your eye. Jesus answered in verse 5 and says that we do that because we are hypocrites. Verse 5 simply says this, You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. We're hypocrites. We don't want to see or we ignore the things that we have in our own life, and we, we fail to see that. And I want us to understand this morning that Jesus is not forbidding us to make righteous judgments. He's not telling us that we can't judge at all. Uh, matter of fact, if you notice what he says here, that, that if we get that pole out of our eye, we get that beam or that log out of our eye, then we'll be able to see clearly in order to help the other guy, the one who has that little piece of sawdust in his eye. It would be easier for us, you know, to see and to help him if we would just get our own life right. Now, again, he's not forbidding us to make the righteous judgments because that's exactly what the other thief did when he rebukes this guy who is mocking Jesus. He is making a, a right judgment. And, and not only that, but how, how could we take care of what Jesus says? And uh, if we're, there's no righteous judgment at all, for in verse number 6, he tells us, Do not give to the dogs what is holy, or do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them under the foot. How would we know the dogs? How would we know the pigs if we could not make some kind of judgment? You know, with his satirical statement that he uses here, he forbids the unreasonable, fault-finding criticism and judging that characterize so many people in our world. The hypercritical, those who, who always, you know, look for something bad. It doesn't make how, any difference how big or how small is they're looking for something bad in another person. And so the log-eyed man, man he, he refused or refuses to see his own huge faults and his failures in doing that cause him to focus on some minor detail. He ends up being a hypocrite because of what he does. Now, now, why do we tend to see the speck in our brother's eye and someone else's eye, not the log in our own? Jesus says we're hypocrites. Now, I want to ask you another question this morning. Why did Jesus call us hypocrites? If that's what we do, why did Jesus call us hypocrites? You know, the person making the unjust judgment or criticism is nowhere near as good as he thinks that he is. That, that, that's the characteristic that Jesus gives us here. In the book of Luke chapter 18, Jesus tells about two men who go down to the temple and they make that appointment in order to pray. One of them is a Pharisee, the other is a tax collector. And we, we remember that story from verses 10 through 14. And, and when the tax collector gets up there, you know what he does? He talks about how good he is. 
How, how good I am. Father, you know, look at me. I, I fast more than you tell us to do. I, I give alms and, and, and I give more than you tell us to do. I'm, I make sure that I even get the least thing in my garden. And I give a tenth portion of that. This man in his own eyes was, a, was an outstanding dude. He, he himself, you know, couldn't find anybody who measured up to him. He couldn't find anybody who was like him, who, who even approached being like him. But on the other hand, he saw, the, saw this other guy whose job was to be a tax collector. You know, Jesus calls us hypocrites many times because we have a misconception of ourselves. We sometimes might call that self-righteousness, Right? We're sometimes self-righteous. There's a difference in being righteous and being self-righteous. We talked about in our class, our adult class this morning downstairs, we talked about uh, Matthew chapter number 20 where Jesus in verses 1 through 16 tells about a man who owned a vineyard. He goes out and hires laborers, uh, goes out three hours later and hires more, three hours later and hires more and so forth. But the deal that he made with the second group of guys, the ones that, that he hired at the third hour, he says, I'll pay you what is right or what is righteous. There's a difference in being righteous and being self-righteous. Self-righteousness is confidence in one's own righteousness, especially when smugly, moralistic, and intolerant of the opinions and behaviors of others. You know, self-righteousness is the idea that we can somehow generate within ourselves a righteousness that would be acceptable to God. That's the problem here in Luke chapter 18. This guy thought, hey, you know, I'm just so good because I do all of this stuff. Do you remember what the Bible says in the book of Romans chapter 3 at verse number 10? As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. Well, what about uh, chapter 10 at verse number 3 in the book of Romans? For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. Paul talking about the Jewish people. He said they, they, wanted, to, they, wanted, to, they wanted to do it their way. Just look at us, how good we are. But in reality, they were un, unable to conform to the righteousness of God. You know, we need to ask ourselves the question, are we righteous or are we self-righteous? There's a difference. God teaches us that we are to be righteous. In the book of Romans chapter 6 at verse number 13, Paul writes and says, Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been bought from the, uh, brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments of righteousness. You know, just because somebody points something out to us that is wrong doesn't mean they necessarily have a log in their eye. It may mean that they knew that they had a log in their eye and they removed it. Now they're ready to help you because of the goodness and the righteousness that they have in their own life. Jesus says we're hypocrites if we are not 
unself-righteous. We may not be as good as we think that we are. Jesus also calls us hypocrites because, you know what, the, the speck seer seeks to build himself up by tearing others down. By, 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 by tearing them down. I think I may have mentioned him before. Been dead a number of years now. He passed away before I moved here from Atwood. But let me tell you about Mr. Joe Thomas Mays. He was the son of a denominational preacher. And Mr. Joe Thomas married a New Testament Christian. And for years and years and years, he refused to obey the gospel. And, and, and you know, he, I, I believe that he knew the truth for a long time and yet refused. He would come with his wife on occasion and, and sit and listen and try to study the Word of God and understand, perhaps. But, but all the while, he never obeyed the gospel. You know, Mr. Joe Thomas, I had the privilege of baptizing him into Christ when he was 80 years old. 80 years old. And after that, we had a conversation. And we got along well, and he shared some things with me. Mr. Joe Thomas says, you know what, said I used to believe... I used to believe that I could speak ill of the church. If I could tear it down, I could build myself up. If I could make the church look small, then I would look big. That if I could just wear you out, if you will, and wear the church out, then everything would be okay because I would be just as good as anybody else. He had the wrong concept. He thought if I tear the church down, then I build myself up. And that's by his own admission. And he thanked me and thanked others for never giving up on him and praying for him. And you know what? That's what we all are to do. But you know what? The point this morning is this. You can never make your light shine brighter by trying to snuff out the light of another. When we try to do that, we're what Jesus calls us. We are a hypocrite. You can't truly ease your own biting conscience. And, and you know what? That's, that's what happens to some folks. Their conscience begins to bite at them, and so they find fault with other people. They, they, they try to tear them down while building themselves up by doing just that. In the book of 2 Corinthians, rather, chapter 10, at verse number 12, Paul writes and says, Not that we dare to classify or compare ourselves with some of those who are commending themselves, but when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves to one another, they are without understanding. Now, if we take the whole context there, what Paul is saying is simply this, we don't we don't measure ourselves by other folks. Our goal is to measure ourselves by Christ. He is the standard. He is the one that we are to live up to His standard, not to the ones who are around us. And so anyone who is so critical, so, so fault-finding in nature that, that they seek to see the speck in a brother's eye, Without correcting their own life, Jesus calls them 
a hypocrite. The person who's making an unjust judgment or criticism is also quite motivated by envy. By envy. You know, that's another reason Jesus calls us hypocrites. The word envy is defined as discontent with uh, or at the excellence or good fortune of another. Listen to what the wise man said in the book of Proverbs chapter 14 at verse number 30. A tranquil heart gives life to the flesh, but envy makes the bones rot. It eats us up from the inside. And when we're envious of others for the good fortune that they have or whatever it may be, the the good life even that they may be living, and we try to find the bad and tear them down, maybe it's because we're envying them. We truly want what they have When we think about envy, Galatians chapter 5 verse 19 cannot go without quoting. There the Bible talks about, and Paul writing about it, he says, Now the works of the flesh are evident. Now you may remember the things that Paul says there. He starts out with things that we'd all agree on. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, Dissension, divisions, verse 21, envy. Envy. Goes on drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. We can't envy, folks. We can't you know, judge them harshly and fault find with them and find that little speck in their eye just because we want what they have. Jesus says you're a hypocrite when you do that. But but let's hasten this morning and let's let's move on. What are some of the things that a speck seer can do to help overcome his sinful speck seeing? His sinful specsing. What are some of the things he can do? Number one, make sure you are conscious of the sinfulness of specsing. Not not that we don't try to help folks. Not that we 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 get our own life right and, and and you know try to help another person, a brother or sister, or another person to do what God wants them to do. That's not the point here. It's when we still have that log in our eye. One of the things that we got to do is remember just how sinful that is. It truly is. We may not think it is, but it truly is. Romans chapter 2, verse 1. Paul again says, Therefore, you have no excuse. Well, what do they not have an excuse about? You have no excuse, O man. Every one of you who judges for in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself because you, the judge, practice the very same things. Now, now Paul, again, is not condemning all judging, but Paul is condemning what the Jewish people were doing. If you read the book of Romans, chapter number 1, Paul deals with the Gentiles. 
If you read the book of Romans chapter number 2, Paul deals with the Jewish people. The Jewish people looked down on the Gentiles. We know that. They considered them as dogs. They considered them as unworthy of, of having anything to do with God. But you know what? There were many of the Jews who were doing the same things that the Gentiles were doing. Paul lists some things in, the, in Romans chapter 1 that the Gentile world was guilty of, but the Jewish people were doing the same thing. What Paul is condemning here is these folks who had the log in their eye while looking at what the other guys were doing. And, and Paul says, you know what? That's not the right thing to do because when you drop down to verse number 3 of Romans chapter 2, do you suppose, O oh man, you who judge those who practice such things and yet, then, uh, uh, and yet do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? It's a sin to be so hypercritical, fault-finding, speck-seeing, and seeking in the lives of others. Romans chapter 14, verse 10, Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or why do you not despise your brother? Or why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. We will all. Be careful how we judge. Make sure we get our own life right. James chapter 2 verse 13, For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Matthew chapter 26 at verse number 41, Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. We need to remember that with other folks, not just ourselves. They may want to do what's right, but you need to want to do what's right as well. And, and as we think about the idea that is being presented to us this morning, we need to remember that, that we too might fall into the same temptation. And we too might ourselves go askew. It's a sin just to be a speck seeker. Not only that, but in order to help us overcome this idea is we need to be sure that we look, look at ourselves first, look at yourself first. Matthew 7, verse 5, you hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye. Can't emphasize that enough. And then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. 1 John chapter 1 at verse number 8. If we say we have no sin, guess what? We deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. When we really and truly take a good look at ourselves, you know what it does? It takes all the fun out of fault finding. If we take a true, honest look at ourselves, it'll take all the fun out of fault finding because we'll really and see who we 
are. There's a saying that goes like this. There's so much good in the worst of us and so much bad in the best of us that it little behooves any of us to talk about the rest of us. That's really true. Really true. If we want to overcome the idea of fault finding, look at yourself first. Number three, make up your mind to look for good and not evil. Make up your mind. Now, I've got to ask you another question. I've been asking questions this morning. What do you see on the screen? What do you see? Most folks are going to answer that question in this way. I see a black dot. See a black dot, right? Most folks are going to answer it that way. See a black dot. Why didn't you say I see a bunch of white space? Isn't there more white space up there than there are black dots? Yep, that's pretty tiny. It's right in the middle of the screen. But we see the black dot. You know what? That's what we do with other people. That's what we do with other people. We are too quick to see the black dots or the black spots in the lives of others without considering that they're good. That there may be some good hiding there somewhere, even though there is a black dot on the screen. Make up your mind to look for what is good. Are you too quick to see the black dots, the black spots, the specks in your brother's or your sister's eye? As we begin to bring this lesson to a close this morning, there are some things that, that I want us to remember. You know, the concept of fault-finding, hypercriticism, doing what Jesus is condemning here by seeing the speck when we have a log in our own eye, there are some harms that come to the one who do that, who does that. Number one, guess what it does? The speck seer binds himself to his own sin. He binds himself to his own sin. What do you mean by that? If he refuses to see the sin, the problem in his life, the chances of improvement are nil. Since he or she sees no need in changing. Do you get the point? We're bound to our own sin. When, when we can't see that we need to get the log out of our eye, we're not going to get the log out of our eye. When we're more focused on the speck in a brother's eye rather than the log in our own eye, we have bound ourselves to our own sin because we're not going to change. Coming to repentance is difficult, if not approaching a, approaching a impossible, when that is the case. 
And so one of the bad things, one of the hurtful things that happens to those who are the spec seers is that it binds that person to his or to her own sin. Number two, the spec seer blinds himself to the good that is in others. Now we've talked about that. We make up our mind to see the good rather than the evil. But remember what John chapter 1 verse 46 says. In John chapter 41 verse 46, the Bible says, Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Now, now, now Philip had come to, to, come to Nathanael, and do you remember what he tells Nathanael? We have found the Savior. We found the one. We found the Messiah. Where is he from? Nazareth. Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. Come and see. If Nathaniel had held on to his belief that there was nothing good to come out of Nazareth, would he have seen the Savior? Probably not. Would he have seen the goodness of the Savior? Probably not. Thankfully, Nathaniel went and he saw. He was willing to look. But if he had just relied on his own speck, seeing self, understanding that nothing good comes out of Nazareth, what he had been taught all of his life, he's going to have a problem come Judgment Day. Thankfully, he went to see. Don't let your own sin blind you. Our log may keep us from coming to Jesus and doing what Jesus says. But, but then thirdly, and last of all, the specs here finds himself with few or no friends. You know, the Bible teaches us that we can have an abundant life here on this earth. But an abundant life is not necessarily a lonely life, is it? To have no one to be there for us, to care for us, who cares anything about us, that'd have to be a miserable existence. But the, the, the fault finder, the speck seer, who's always seeing the bad in those who call themselves friends, they're not going to put up with it long. They themselves will flee and find someone else. And, and, and you know what? I don't want to live like that. I want to stand for truth. I want to do what's right, what's righteous. And I want everybody else to do it as well. Amen. And I want them to want all of us to be able to go to heaven. But if we're hypercritical and we're the fault finders of this earth, we won't have good friends and we will be alone. And when we do that and have driven everybody away, guess what? We are being measured by the measure that we have used. Judge not that you be not judged. What did that what did we start out with? We started out with that old thief on the cross. What do you think about him? Not the one Jesus said, Today you'll be with me. That other guy. We look at him with contempt. You know why? 
Because he looked at Jesus. He judged Jesus with contempt. It wasn't so much for what he, what he did, do we? We don't look at him necessarily for what he did to deserve to be on the cross. We judge him by what he did while he was on the cross. We judge him by the judgment that he used. As we close our lesson this morning, is there a log that you need to remove? Is there something in your life that you need to, to get right? Do you yourself need to become a Christian and have those sins that, that, that are in your life washed away? If you're here this morning and that's a part of what you need to do, then we invite you to come. If you are a Christian this morning, but you haven't been doing what the Lord wants you to do and you want to come back to Him, we want to pray with you and we want to pray for you. Not because we're perfect, but because we're all trying to do what God says in helping one another get to heaven. If you need to respond to the Lord's invitation, why don't you come right now?